1: done.
2: And he lights one deep left field, hit it toward the wall, that ball is out of here! Rajay Davis with a three-run homer in his first at bat as a Met! And he drives one deep left center field, That goes Robles. it's out of here! Oh Carlos my. Gomez with a three-run homer! He's going to beat Rambliss around the bases. Out to right field, back goes Castellanos to the track at the wall, it's out of here! A Danny Etchaviria goes up for another three-run homer and the Mets have the lead! You know, they never gave up. Obviously, we did have some tough losses personnel-wise. That's where our depth came, came into play. You know, we've, we've been harping on our depth all offseason, trying to build it as best we could. And, uh, you know, it kept things from spiraling out of control. Um, you know, we were um, coming off that Miami series. Coming home, we get some guys hurt. It had been easy um, for, for mo- more most organizations just to fold at that point. But Brody's credit, our front office's credit, they went and got the players that can step in and, and keep us competitive. And we were not only competitive; we went six and one. Uh, that that's a that's a great thing. Uh, not only for um, you know. Our team, but uh, for the fan base to understand that, hey, we're going to be competitive no matter what out there, and uh, you know, great job by the front office uh, putting this team together. <laughs>
0: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, May the 26th, 2019. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at medsmarizedonline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Hope you're all enjoying the weekend with great weather after a pretty dreary spring. It looks like the weather's breaking. Summer is upon us, baseball is upon us, and a wild week here on the Talking Mets podcast and uh, with obviously what's going on or has been going on at City Field. And last time we met uh, was right after the Brody Van Wagenen press conference and uh, the vultures were circling, everybody was circling the wagon, the media was circling the wagon, and uh, a week later the Mets are 500 and heading out to the West Coast and a very difficult West Coast trip, and a new voice will be joining me on the program today as beat reporter for the Record. Justin Toscano, who's already out in L.A., will be joining me in just a little bit, and we'll hear from him. And you heard in the montage uh, some of the unlikely heroic heroics, the unlikely individuals that played a key part in this 6-1 and one homestand, uh, which really was a homestand that was necessary for this team to even consider putting themselves back in the race. And and that does not take away from how challenging the week ahead will be with the Mets heading on to a trip that where they will face the best offensive team, one of the best pitching teams in the Dodgers, a very good, offensive team if if not right up there especially when they play at home in the D-backs who have some really good starting pitching themselves and i mean right now the real question will be can the replacement mets if you want to call them that hold the fort can they uh can they go into the west and continue to score their four to five runs and can the pitching step up uh, i think that's really where we're at because Zach Wheeler stepped up today and tried to bridge the uh, the beleaguered bullpen, and he almost did. He got into the eighth inning, got into a little trouble there in the eighth, and then Juri's Familia came in and bailed him out, and then Edwin Diaz uh, did a little bit of a tightrope back there in the ninth and got the save. But uh, if you look at the Mets' rotation right now, that's who needs to step up during this time of need. You don't have McNeil because it wasn't just about the controversy with Callaway, and I, and I told you earlier in the week I thought the Mets handled that perfectly. They went out, they supported their manager, they put a stop to all the nonsense, all the narratives, all the stuff that was swirling. You know, Every day is Callaway going to be fired? And they put that to bed, and then they have the injury. They have Lugo that goes out, and Cano is out, and McNeil is out. And you say to yourself, geez, how is this team going to win? How is this team going to overcome that? Um, And you have Rajay Davis taking an Uber to get to the ballpark and getting a big hit. And Aaron Altair, who was in a Giants uniform and a Phillies uniform within, you know, a week. Now he's in a Mets uniform. He gets a home run uh, in his first at-bat. Carlos Gomez playing uh, the Heroics with a late-inning home run and making some great plays in the field. And Thomas Nito coming off the bench to to end a, a long and wild affair. And you're just saying, you know, how can this continue? You know these, these guys are doing everything that you would expect. You, you heard uh, Mickey Calloway in the open talk about the depth and how they had planned on needing this kind of depth because every baseball team goes through a season with injuries. But this team in particular now, at the worst possible time, uh, losing probably their best hitter, Cano, who is going to be their, their cog offensively, their veteran offensive uh, bat. And they lose a key reliever all on the same day. And, and here they are. They're back at 500, and, and that's the next man up mentality that at times has been missing for a couple of years. And the last time we really saw this was 2016 when Seth Lugo and gazelleman came up and, and subbed in for a team that had lost to and Matt Harvey. When losing Matt Harvey was a thing. When it was a big deal. And you didn't think that they could overcome and and be able to withstand those kind of losses. But those two guys came in and did. And with along with Noah Syndergaard made the postseason. I believe they lost to Grom that year too, right? Uh, or that was the year before. Uh, they, no, that was the year they lost to Grom. They lost to Grom at that point. So, you know, it's been uh, a wild week. And now the the, the the scene shifts to if the Mets are going to be anything this year. And the, and the fortunate part for this club, With all, again, pulling away and peeling away all the nonsense that you hear with the doom and gloom and the manager and everything like that, they are right there in the muck, the wild-card muck with everybody else. They're a couple of games back of the Braves. They're right there with Milwaukee a couple of games back, St. Louis and San Diego and Arizona, and all those teams that are going to be in this second wild-card world, and they're only four games back of Philadelphia for the division. But right now, they're back at five hundred. What you want to do is you want to spend the next week stabilizing this thing. I have to tell you, if you gave me a choice right now, do you sign for a 3-4 and road trip or go for the gusto and go for something more? I think I would sign for it just because you're missing a couple of really key components to your lineup. Conforto's just coming back. The Dodgers are just so tough, and you got four games with them. You're going into Arizona, which is a hitter's ballpark uh, and a place that, the Mets used to dominate and play well, and they have not played as well in the last couple of years. I'd sign for that. and You come home a game under. If they could go four and three Gs, that is perfect. But that's going to require at least splitting in uh, L.A. and trying to get the series in Arizona. And, uh, you know, it's going to require this pitching staff to step up. And right now, if you ask me at the beginning of the year, would I would I feel confident that they can step up? I'd say absolutely. Right now, I'm not so sure. And it really falls on the shoulders of Noah Syndergaard because right now he's the conundrum. You know, Yeah, DeGrom has been up and down, and, and I talked about that earlier in the week, about the need to live up to the contract and to live up to a great 2018. But when it's all said and done, if DeGrom is healthy, I know he's going to be there. And you saw that earlier in the week when he battled Scherzer and, and kept the Mets in a ball game. And although Wheeler could be frustrating at times, again, it seems like he's ready to continue building upon the second half of last year, and some of the early season woes are behind him. Uh, and Matt's, I mean, look, uh, you know, it was interesting because David Cohn talked about him over at uh, Mets blog on SNY and said one of the things that he probably needs to improve upon is his confidence and his uh, his mound presence, and and I think he's starting to do that a little bit. He, he danced around the uh, the raindrops against Washington on the, uh, the fourth game of that series, but he battled even though he gave up a ton of hits. Uh, let's see him do the same against the great Dodgers lineup on the road. And then, you know, then there's Syndergaard, the guy that right now appears to be having a hard time adapting and adjusting to a league that may have caught up to him. And I don't want to compare him to Harvey because Matt Harvey's struggles – and how bad he was at the end of his Mets tenure and how bad he is now as a pitcher, I think has had much to do with his ability to be healthy. But there was also that component that after he had lost his some of his uh, fastball after the second injury, the, the shoulder injury, he never really was able to adapt and adjust to be the pitcher that he needed to be with his 2.0, 3.0, whatever you want to call it, stuff. And if Syndergaard can't get that slider that tight, hard slider to go, the weapon that really elevated him into elite status, and he's going to be mainly a fastball, curveball, change pitcher, well, whatever he's doing right now, the mix, the way he's executing it, it's not working. There's really no excuse in a game against Detroit, a game where your team scored eight runs, where Syndergaard couldn't pitch well enough to navigate that ball game. Now, yeah, the bullpen blew it. Syndergaard came out with a lead. But the reason he came out, with, you know, he came out with a lead that was tenuous, uh, and the bullpen was put in a tough spot to protect it against one of the that one of the worst offensive teams in the American League, and they were plucky all week in Detroit. I'll tell you that much. They were plucky all weekend. You never want to face teams that are on bad stretches. You saw that with Miami. You saw that with Detroit. Sometimes they get to the point where the law of averages is all going to swing the other way, and it nearly did again the second weekend in a row for the Mets. So. That's the real question. Yeah, you have the replacement and there may be more on the way. You have the Mets taking a flyer on Matt Kemp, and they may need that bat. Believe it or not, when you look at this lineup, now that Ioannis Cespedes, the thought of him even being a part of the team in August or September has been put to bed. You may need that bat. You may need that right-handed bat, because it's not going to be easy to go out right now unless you want to make a big trade at the deadline and find a bat. Of the caliber of Matt Kemp. Now I know he had some rib problems, but if you look at his career, you look at what he's done uh, to date. He's always hit, even when he now he didn't hit to the level of his contract, but he's still a guy that offensively would be among the core offensive players on this team. After you get past the the Alonzos, the the, the McNeils, Conforto, so on and so forth. So there may be more on the way. And I really believe, and I've said this along the way, that it's not going to be the offense that's going to undo this club. It's not. Even with the B team, the replacements, you have enough offense here to win. League average offense. It's the pitching that has been so bad at times. The bullpen has stepped up here in the month of May. It's been one of the better bullpens in all of baseball. Familia. Not yet consistent, but today for the first time you saw that nasty stuff that made him one of the better closers in baseball in 2015 and 2016. Because Zellman has had a couple of hiccups, but he's been really good. Hopefully Lugo's healthy will come back and continue to put up zeros like he has. And then you have arguably one of the top two or three, arguably, arguably the best closer in baseball, one of the top two or three. And I know that he hasn't been dominant at times, and I know that righties have hit him. Uh, But a lot of times, even when he gives up hits, it just seems like it's been bad luck, that batting average on balls in play, bad luck. But when he needs a strikeout, when he needs to get the job done, he's done it so far. Even on Saturday, when when he gave up the blue pit to right, I mean, he made a good pitch. Sometimes you just got to say, hey, you know, you got beat. Um, It's not like he goes out there and spits the bit, so... All the components are in place. There's enough offense, even with the compromised offense. There's enough offense, I think, to score enough if you get the high-caliber quality pitching and the bullpen continues to do its job, and it's going to be tested. Because if you listen to Andy Martino of SNY, this team, in terms of the manager, is not out of the woods yet. This manager very well may still be replaced. I mean, there's a feeling that the schedule that's coming up in June where the Mets you know come home and they're going to play teams like the Yankees. Uh you know they have the a road trip with Philadelphia and Chicago later in the month. It is a brutal schedule in June. In the next 7 to 10 14 days, the conversation may switch from what we're having now which is hey, this has been fun, the replacements have been fun, they've stabilized the season. Um you know, and, and and now they can get their stuff together, they can they can get their guys healthy, and they can start looking towards what they need as reinforcements uh, to, to continue to compete and elevate themselves in a wild-card race and possibly the division to this team got steamrolled and is out, and now the question will be, what's next? What are they going to do for next year? What are they going to get on sell-offs if they do sell off some of their players? And the main conversation will be the pitching staff. Because I'll tell you what, if they really spit the bit, if Syndergaard really doesn't step up and DeGrom continues to be inconsistent and Mats looks lost, you know, you really are going to start to see this team fall three, four, five, six, seven games under. And then before you know it, it's June 15th. And you only have one deadline this year. You'll have six weeks before the deadline. And if you're really on the peripheral of the second wild card, then you have to be honest and say, okay, what do we do here with Wheeler? Do we extend him? And then you really have to ask the question, and I don't know if you'd get, you clearly wouldn't get as much as you would have in the offseason. Do you start to think about life after kindergarten and, and moving away from kindergarten, seeing what you could get and and take what you could get before this thing might get worse, especially if he's one of the reasons why you're six-seven under? Let's hope that's not a conversation we're having. Because that's a conversation we had in 17 on this program. That's a conversation we had in 18 when things spiraled. And there's a certain level of character that this team has shown, especially this week. And I know you're going to turn out and the naysayers are going to say, well, it's a bad Washington bullpen and one of the worst teams in baseball in Detroit. But you know what? You've got to win those games. And those are games, if you remember last year, a week like this with the adversity they had, they never would have had that in 17. They never would have had that in 18. They just wouldn't. Not at this time of the year where it's still relevant. Maybe you could have said, you know, when things spiraled and it didn't matter anymore for either team late in the season, maybe you could have saw a 6-1 or a situation like that. But not at a time when they were really at a crossroad. And now they're going to be tested. And if you believe Andy Martino, there's still a talk within the organization to replace Callaway with possibly someone outside the organization this month. There's still talk about him inevitably being fired by the time the year is out. And I told you at the beginning of the week that I thought he'd last the season, but I don't know if he's the manager next year. It seems like there's enough reason to believe that he's not. But right now he is. And right now this team rallied. And right now Mickey Calloway is the underdog. And the fun story, the story, the story that you'd like to see written over the next week and into the rest of the baseball season is that this team, with the adversity they had, with some of the guys whose careers are basically in the sunset, where this might be their final shot, banded together, rallied, and created a spark that helped lead this team to better days ahead and leaves this team in a better place when the McNeils and the Canoes come back, uh, when you see those guys return and, and take their rightful place in the lineup. And, and a lineup that I thought was, was really, really good um, uh, throughout the first uh, six weeks of the year. And it's really been in the last couple of weeks when it's been decimated by injury. You got Conforto back. You have possibility of getting McNeil back within a week. Hopefully that hamstring's not that bad. Cano, who the heck knows what's going on there. And I'll tell you what, Brandon Nimmo, I wouldn't expect to see him as optimistic as he is Uh, about his neck he's got a bulging disc luckily not herniated but a bulging disc and some whiplash Uh, that could take a little bit of time so uh you know that's another guy that I think I would hold off before you think you're going to see him in the lineup and you want to know what's funny about all this thing as we wrap up because I know we got to get to Justin Toscano uh, who will be joining us the one guy that everybody dislikes and probably has been the pariah of the starting rotation, is Jason Vargas. And to me, he's still not the perfect uh, fifth starter. I mean, if you could get Dallas Keuchel, and that's going to get competitive in a week, you go out and you try to upgrade the rotation. But he's a guy that has, has met expectations in terms of he'll give you his five innings, he'll give you one or two runs, maybe six innings, three runs. He's had a couple of stinker outings. But outside of the really, really bad outings earlier in the year, he's met expectations. The rest of the rotation really has not. But he'll go four, four and two-thirds, five. I mean, it's not a long outing, and that's where you get concerns because of the strain it has on the bullpen. But when he's gone five, five innings, two runs, five innings, one run. And he's done those. His best outings, of course, have come against some of the weaker offensive teams like Cincinnati and Detroit and Miami. But if you can go and get five innings, two runs, uh, you know, four and a third, four and two thirds, and have a rested bullpen like he did uh, against St. Louis where he only went four innings and you, you kind of say, all right, good offense on the road. Let's get him out after two times around the order. Um, you know, he's done what you kind of would expect out of a fifth starter this day and age. You go around twice and then the third time, depending on how – you don't know how many innings that translates to because you don't know – what two times around the order what looks like sometimes with some of these uh, fifth starters. You know, that's what he does. He gives you a pretty good through the first time, you know, not as good the second time, and then you hold your breath the third time through the order. If you don't have Syndergaard at what would be peak, and Wheeler and Mats and DeGrom and all those guys are going to pitch at league average or below like they have, throughout the first almost two months of the season, then, yeah, you can't survive with a Vargas as the fifth starter because he stands out like a sore thumb. But that's not Vargas's fault. Those, that's those guys' fault. And if those guys are who we think they are, if those guys are, especially with the guy leading the way with a $138 million contract, two who are looking for their own big contracts, and Matt's who's looking to get himself into that conversation, if they are who we think they are, then let's see them step up and do their part over the next week. That doesn't mean they're going to win because you still have an offense that's a little bit short and a bullpen that could be shaky, and you are going into maybe the toughest place to play, which is L.A. I've had bowl players tell me that's been a, that's one of the toughest home fields out there with a team that has a lot going for them. But let's see them do the, their part. Let's see them go six, seven innings, two runs, three runs against a good offense on the road. And put their team in a position where they could win. So it'll be an interesting week ahead. Mets back at 500. Let's see if the replacement Mets built the foundation, stabilized all the craziness, and helped put this team in a position where at the end of the year, if they make the playoffs, you'll look back to this week as a key turning point within the 2019 baseball season. We're going to take a quick break when we return. Justin Toscano of the record, Mets Beat Reporter for the record. New voice to the show will be joining us live out in LA. He'll be talking about what's to come up for the Mets, his thoughts on the week that just passed, and all of the things surrounding the team. He had a chance to talk to Dom Smith one-on-one about some of the challenges he's had with lack of playing time and the success that he's been able to find through certain preparation that he's done uh, throughout the season. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this.
2: Nito flies one out to right center field. Back goes Jones onto the warning track at the wall. Hits out! We're
0: back, and joining us from the record, uh, first time on the show, Met's beat reporter for the record, Justin Toscano, at Justin C. Toscano on Twitter. He's actually out in L.A. waiting for the ball club, and he's joining us now. So, Justin, uh, interesting little road trip uh, coming up. I know you weren't at the ballpark today. You were traveling a little bit ahead of the team. You were doing the old pitcher thing, you know? And... Uh, Mets get to 500. Uh, they take care of business on the homestand. A wild and wacky week. Now can the replacement Mets? Uh, they're going to go into a little bit more uh, dangerous waters. You're waiting for them out there, so it should be interesting week coming up.
1: Oh man, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think. I think we can all agree that this is a much tougher test for the Mets considering the the Dodgers are an absolute juggernaut right now, and that lineup top to bottom is ridiculously scary and has undone a lot of great pitchers this year. And even the Diamondbacks, I mean, aren't bad. Like, they have had their rough stretches, and I think that will be a good series between them and the Mets. But, I mean, they've walloped San Francisco, and San Francisco's a bad ball club. But the Diamondbacks have shown the ability to to do that to teams. I do think though, getting back to five hundred for the Mets, like you can look at that as okay. The Nationals are just bad. That that bullpen is garbage, god awful. Anything you want to say about it, terrible. And the Tigers are not good. And but hey, like with how the week started, I mean, let's give this team a little credit now. I mean, yeah, you said like the replacements. I mean, this is a group that has lost regular after regular after regular and is is still somehow piecing it together and you see um today echevarria with the three-run home run his second of the week and then yesterday it was tomas nito and then you had rajay davis with like the craziest story that anybody's ever heard that totally fits his personality and just his baseball legend right and i mean for this ball club to be five hundred is is something that's that's pretty impressive and really pulling themselves off the mat after what was just a disgusting road trip in in washington and more so even miami i mean you you look at that team and how they were against the Marlins to have your top three pitchers going and you still get swept and for the offense to get shut down the the way it did by by a rotation that's young and and really isn't good and developed yet is really cause for concern but they're back at it I mean zero and zero and they they have a real shot on this road trip to prove against the Dodgers you know like what what they are like it's it's a good measuring stick I
0: think I agree and uh, you know last year and even the year before one of the things that did this team in was was injuries and the replacements Really weren't anything special. You had the Jose Lobatones and Jose Reyes, <laughs> who was very disappointing. Matt Dendecker, Jack Reinheimer, guys like that. And you know, look, I don't want to make it out to be more than it is because Carlos Gomez, uh, Rajay Davis, Aaron Altair, Adani Echeverria, you know, guys like that. They're replacements. They're not guys that if you're they're in the lineup 140 games that you're going to feel the same way about. But Nicky Calloway talked about it during post-game. They worked hard at bringing guys in, guys who probably could have gotten jobs elsewhere and with better shots at making the roster, Echeverria being one of those type of guys. So it's a testament to twofold. You know, these guys could hold the fort. We'll see how they hold the fort this week. This will be a real test. And they wanted to come play for the organization. So we can criticize the Mets for a lot, but these guys actively, and I know money plays into it, but opportunity is just as important when you're in their spot is money. Yeah, no,
1: exactly. And I think that's that's the biggest thing is that the Mets, you look at, um, I think the two biggest cases that we saw are the Santana and then the Kemp deals. Like you look at those and that in essence, it's like, it's so low risk that you have, you know, if it doesn't work out, who cares? Right. And, and so like for, the Echevarrias of of the world, like you said, if they're in your lineup for 140 games of the year, you're toast and you're going to have a really bad summer watching that team. But Hey, like for right now, I think they're holding down the fort. Well, and you're right. It is about that opportunity for those guys. Like this is their world series. This is their time to show that like, even if they are not back with the Mets in the future, this is their time to show that they deserve a job elsewhere. And I think, I think for Echevarria, like, I think he he is at least giving his his best case for that. And then the Mets, like, you can't really fault them for taking, you know, the Kemp's and the Santana's and the Rajay Davis's of the world. Like, those, like Rajay Davis is a guy that, yeah, like, people think he's a bit watered down as a ball player, but that's a guy who's trying to extend his career. And, is. I mean, he was willing to do, you know, everything he could to do so. I mean, he had a quote the other night where somebody asked him, you know, oh, you, you got lost here when you got here. And he's like, well, actually, I got lost for a couple months, like meaning his time in the minors, and now found my way. That's a guy who's looking to extend his career. I think they're taking flyers on guys who have real, who have real motive, you know. And I think that's the important part of it is that these guys – might be like castaways in, in some sense but for for them this is like this is their show to, to try to make their case and I think that's been the really important thing this this week is that each of these guys you look at each of those situations and and they all vary and and they're all in it for for that cause and I think they've all done a fairly good job at least this week in a small sample size of of showing why you know at least they might deserve another look.
0: Justin Toscano, the record, uh, Mets beat reporter joining us. He's out in L.A., uh, flew ahead of the team, getting ready for a big uh, West Coast trip. You're in the clubhouse, obviously. I'm not. uh, But what I can see with some of these guys like Gomez and, you know, Davis and and Echeverria, they seem to have given a little bit of energy. I mean, look, Mets are a professional team. They have guys going out there grinding it out. You know, maybe there's some questions about leadership from a veteran standpoint in that locker room. but. During tough patches over the last couple of weeks, energy level was in question. And maybe these guys, because like you just said, they're playing for their baseball lives, coming in, you know, really like Gomez to me is one of those that uh, exemplifies that. Really not overstressed. He's doing what he does. If it's good enough, it's good enough. He's appreciating the time in the big leagues. And maybe for some of the other guys where the season's already starting to wear you down, it's a tough place to play. There's A lot of pressure here, the media, Mickey's job status, whatever. You know, just having that and seeing that, maybe that lightens the load a little bit. I know that's a narrative, and we can't prove it, but from a standpoint of just looking at this as an outside observer, it just it just looks like that's the case.
1: Yeah, like I mean, like you like you said, it's it's definitely a narrative, and it's it's hard to speculate because even being in the clubhouse, it's like. These guys can be coy and, and lie 10 different ways to your face. Not saying they would, but, but it's just like it's so hard to tell what actually goes on in their minds, especially when there are those days when there are a hundred, you know, a million reporters in the clubhouse, but there aren't that many players that filter through. And, and you, just, you just never know. But I do think that in the Carlos Gomez case, in the Rajay Davis case, I mean, the regulars on the team, like they love those guys, because those are guys that are just kind of like, embrace, I mean, Callaway loves to say this, but embracing their roles, right? I mean, like those are guys that are just going out there when the team needs them most, and like you said, they're they're just doing what they can. If it's good enough, like great, but it but if it's not, it's like at least they're they're in there, they're doing everything they can, and like a Rajay Davis, like Callaway says, you know, everybody loves Raj. It's like you you probably would be hard-pressed to find a guy in the, in the baseball world who's been in the clubhouse with him who doesn't like him. And it's like for, yeah, for those guys to come in and Carlos Gomez and the yee-yee-yee jokes to just like at least lighten the mood of of just like a week that, that started like a funeral, I think that's very important because, I mean, you get to those stretches in the, in the season. I mean, it's a really long season, 162 games. And, you, yeah, like you said, you get to those stretches where the veterans, like you wouldn't blame them if they are feeling a little burned out. And I do think a guy like Carlos Gomez, you know, might lighten the load a little bit, lighten the mood. I do think that this clubhouse might have, I mean, I haven't been around that long, but it might have that makeup where some of the veterans are also like that. I mean, you don't see a lot of those vets and a lot of the regulars, the the DeGroms and the and and, you know, Pete Alonzo is, is a star rookie, but he's you know he's a regular contributor. Like, a lot of those guys don't seem super high-strung, if that, if that makes sense. Like, again, I can't prove that I've only been around for a month, but it, it seems like a pretty good clubhouse in that regard, where when they say that they're loose, even after, you know, all those rough patches and the bad road trips, like, you can kind of believe it because it, it just seems like a pretty chill bunch of guys, like the Jeff McNeils, um, just every, like there, there, there doesn't really seem to be like that one, like super hard hitting bet. If that makes sense. I mean, cause Todd Frazier is like the grandfather of the clubhouse, but even he's just kind of a laid back,
0: like seems like a pretty loose guy. Yeah, no, that's for sure. You know, that ties in perfectly to my next point. Um, you wrote you a piece over at the record about Don Smith. Now he's been an interesting story this year, uh, he was the first baseman of the future. He got ripped away by Alonzo. going to be hard to see unless Alonzo really takes a dive, whether he gets a, a lion's share of the, uh, the, the, the playing time. Now, he got a couple of hits today, and he started. But he's actually, and he talked to you about it, embraced his role. And, and you talk about energy. And it's not hard to see, whether you're at the ballpark watching on TV, how vocal he is, how uh, supportive he is. Uh, you know, it it goes back to me looking at the bench and how he gets the bench up, almost like Sandlot League where you get everybody up. You don't expect to see that all the time in the big leagues. And you had a chance to talk to him about his role and and some of the changes he made. And he's been a little bit of an unsung story to a certain degree because, uh, you know, in other ways, when he wasn't on the team, they even blamed uh, his lack of of presence on the Mets losing in San Diego, which is a little absurd. But anyway, you know, you had an interesting – conversation with smith and uh and he's starting to play a much bigger role with this club
1: yeah it's um it's interesting because i went into that like thinking in my own head that i was just purely interested in the fact like if if you don't know if you're one of those guys who you know if you're not producing in that role you legitimately do not know when your next bat is coming you don't know when your next emotion is coming like it is it's fluid it's all up in the air like you don't know and so my whole thing was like wow that really interests me that like how is that guy wired how how is he now wired to to perform so well through a consistent amount you know of the season thus far while still getting limited opportunity and and whatnot but he's been great in that part-time role he took a demotion, to like he I mean, he's seen it all, like, in in his three years, like, and it was really interesting for him to talk about just how he was so frustrated, like, the first couple years and how those negative thoughts really, like, got him down, and and for someone to open up about that, like, I I know it's hard, it must be hard for professional athletes because it's like they're – macho and they have to have a solution for everything and they have to be the best at everything and until they get to the big leagues they were the man in high school and, and you know wherever else they played in the minors and whatnot. not um, so for him to talk about that was really interesting but the other point I find um, intriguing about it is that in the whole place it's like okay who succeeds in that role versus who doesn't because some of what I think makes Dominic Smith more impressive is that across the bench you look at you looked at a guy like Keon Broxton in that same role who just who just wasn't handling it man like he just for whatever reason like Brody and Mickey you know said countless times for whatever reason it just wasn't happening so it's like what makes you know Dominic Smith different from from so and so and is it like an attitude thing is it just chance and i like boiling it down with with Dominic was when he was talking to me was like, just the attitude. I know much has been made about, like, the sleep apnea, and, and that's great, and, like, his his health is a lot better, and that plays a huge part in, like, your energy. Like, I understand that. But just, like, the more positive attitude, it, it's, like, crazy to think that that's something that simple, and I know he, he's retooled his swing a tad, and he's watched, you know, great left-handed hitters and, and whatnot, and he's done his preparation. But just, like, the attitude piece of it is always – what's so interesting to me because it seems like that plays a pivotal role um, in, in the season. I mean, like we've talked about 162 games. I mean, you're bound to go through rough stretches. He's had a couple himself this year. But, I mean, man, to be playing as well as he is in that role and to be as humble as he is and to bring that much energy when he could have the lion's share somewhere else, to me, is commendable.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, I don't know what their plans are. They've they've really not committed to him doing anything but first base. But with the way the lineup, and right now McNeil, uh, who knows when he's back. I don't think Nimmo's going to be back anytime soon. Throwing him out in left field, I'm not in favor of just throwing a guy out there. Uh, J.D. Davis has kind of been lucky. He hasn't been exposed himself out there. But uh, you might need his bat. It might be something they have to take much more seriously on this road trip facing some really good pitchers.
1: Yeah. And that well, that's the thing that Mickey Calloway has alluded to is like, well, if he keeps hitting like that, like we might not be able to take him out, but then he's never really thrown him in, in the outfield. And he keeps alluding to it. Like, it's like, you can almost sense like the personal struggle there in the decision-making. It's like, yeah, you don't want to throw any guy out there, especially on the road when they're not accustomed to that ballpark's outfield. But like, Man, like, you can see Mickey, like, actually, I I believe it's something he's wrestling with because it's like, man, the guy, all he does is produce. And, like, obviously, that might level out when he gets more ABs. Like, it's just, you know, it's math. But, I mean, yeah, for a guy to – you want to maximize him, right? And, like, right now, it just doesn't feel like they're – maximizing him, but it's like they can't do anything about it because the dude at first base is also pretty dang good and is on, on pace to, like, hit 55 home
0: runs. Absolutely. Uh, Justin Toscano from The Record joining us. A couple things before we uh, wrap up. My impression is uh, Nimmo's going to be out a while, uh, as positive as he's he is about his injury. That's, you know, bulging disc is not something that's uh, a short stint on the DL. And Cano and McNeil are tricky. Hamstrings are tricky. Quads are tricky. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, they're definitely out, obviously, the, the road trip, but can we see them by the time they come back home after the, seven, uh, the seven-day the seven West Coast trip?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, man, I'd be taking a stab at, you know, just throwing darts at a board right now. But I would say I would agree with you on Nemo. I think that's, unfortunately more of an, an extended thing because it's it's not like a thing that you're going to want to play through again now that you know it's a bulging disc and not not just happening with with the way you sleep or something like that so I'm going to say that's an extended period of time I would say McNeil is probably would probably be good to come off near his near near when when you know the the 10 days ends I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with that for him I think I think that was mostly precautionary, and I think he will be fine. Though the concerning part about it is that if it if it was more precautionary, I think at this stage he would be playing just with how many guys they, they have out and then how dire of a stretch this is in the season for them. So that's a little tricky. But, yeah, Cano, I yeah, I don't want to predict anything like too bad for him, but I, I do think, yeah, the quads, or you just never know, especially with a guy that's that's older, man. It's like, you can see it, you know, even in the way he plays, he's, I mean, he's lost some of his range and it's like, you just can't, I mean, you can never like, you can never be too careful with those. I, yeah, I, I think that'll be like the middle of the next homestand when he's ready to come back. I think McNeil will be the first of the three. um, And then obviously it's just good that they're, that they're getting, you know, that they've gotten Conforto back and that there was nothing, With that, too, because I think that's a lot of that's something that people overlook is how tricky concussions can be, because it's like, who knows when you're, you know, when when you're symptom free and then when you can get back. And I think that for him, he seemed to think that it that the recovery played out just as well as it could have. So that's the one positive. But, yeah, I don't think we're seeing um, Nemo. No, on the road trip. Cano, no. McNeil's going to come off, I would assume, pretty close to to the 10-day mark. I don't think he'll be too extended past that.
0: The pitching's got to step up. I mean, if you had to talk about this was the NBA, giving somebody the ball when the team really needs them. This is where you give your ace, your superstar, the ball. On this team, it's the starting pitching. The bullpen has been really good in May. The starting pitching continues to baffle you. Wheeler, uh, very encouraging last start uh, earlier today. DeGrom, encouraging last start. We still don't know what to expect out of Syndergaard. Matt's, you know, a little fluid there as well. And Jason Vargas really has done what you'd expect. But you need these these guys to step up, especially on this road trip. Now it's time. The offense can't be expected to score six, seven runs a night. Today they get four. That's what you're going to get out of this kind of offense right now. They need to be able to hold them to three or less. And, and i really be curious to see how they step up. What uh, is going to be really tough on the road in both uh, L. A. and then in a hitter's ballpark in Arizona? It's
1: that's what I was going to say. It's it's going to be pretty tough, man, because when you factor in the conditions and I think the weather for L. A. is going to be a little chilly this week, especially when you get down there to the to the eight and the nine and the ten p.m. It's going to be you know low sixties and you got a couple you know some of the wind blowing. it's a, it's a pitcher's ballpark, so it's like. I think that's what it's going to come down to is you got to give your guys the ball. And this has really got to be the series where they, where the starting pitching puts its foot down collectively, because I mean, this is a tough Dodgers lineup that can undo you pretty quickly. And, and two runs can become six, you know, in a heartbeat and Bellinger's swing the bat as well as anybody has in a stretch of the season, you know, you know, historically people are saying, and then the numbers seem to back that up and, and their lineup, you know besides him is just so 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 good that you you can't let it get away the thing I would be worried about is although the bullpen has been very very good there have also been a couple instances you know especially across this last homestand that um that they've made it interesting at points and uh Against the Dodgers, you just can't do that. That team sees an opportunity, and then they'll blow it wide open, especially at home, and once the crowd gets into it, I mean, it's, it's really tough. And I do think, yeah, the hitter's ballpark in Phoenix, the D-backs have been a team for years that, I mean, though they're a shell of themselves from a year or two ago, they've been a team in recent years that can really put up like eight or nine runs on you in a hurry, especially in Chase Field. And um, and it will be interesting to see how the new the new turf plays and and how it's playing and, and kind of playing through this point in the season. But yeah, you've got to you've got to hope you're starting pitching. Collectively, I would say the target number would be each guy goes you know about hey, has has a, has a quality start because it's like you cannot. I don't think you can expect your guys you know the bats to score seven eight nine runs against the Dodgers and in a pitcher's ballpark. I just think that's unrealistic.
0: Absolutely. Well, Justin, listen, uh pleasure having you on. Welcome to the program. First time, welcome to the beat. You've been on there about a month and uh, let's catch up again and have some fun out in LA. Uh, good place to be uh, this time of the year. Alrighty, my friend. For, for sure. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. You got it. Justin Toscano at Justin C. Toscano on Twitter. Good stuff there. Mets beat reporter. Always like getting new uh, voices on the show. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, more Talking Mets podcast right after this.
2: Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsMerizedOnline.com. Right now, that's Metz M E R I Z E D online.com and get Metzmerized today.
0: All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Uh, I thought that was good stuff from Justin Toscano, just new to the beat, late April. Uh, kid out from the West Coast, uh, went to Arizona State University, I believe it was Arizona State, um, and uh, did a good job, you know, jumping in on the beat, giving some good perspective, good peace on uh, Don Smith, so hopefully a new voice that we could uh, count on a little bit more here on the podcast. Always like to get new voices on the podcast. Uh, real quick, uh, you know, I don't want to belabor the point. You guys know the task ahead, and you know what the key to this season is, but I was looking on fan graphs at Noah Syndergaard, and the DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, if you just look at the advanced metrics, uh, FIP, XFIP, uh, things that just take into account the strikeouts, the walks, the home runs, uh, the hit batsmen, the things that they control, quote-unquote. Uh, DeGrom's the top 10 in the league, all of baseball. Um, Syndergaard and Wheeler, are, um, are like 25 and 26, so they're like top 30 uh, in, in all of baseball. So really, it's not all that far off. Now with Syndergaard, the real change from the 2016 season has been the home run. And if you looked at a, a stat today uh, about uh, batting average at runners in scoring position, I think Wheeler and Syndergaard are like in the top five of highest batting averages Against runners in scoring position, so everything really aligns a little bit with historical norms. If you start to go down the list of the walk rate, strikeout rate is uh, a little bit lower than it was, but it's still well over nine. I mean, there is plenty of strikeouts from center guard. It's getting the big out, it's giving up home runs, which that could just be a, a, a symptom of the of the league right now. The, I, I, I think the baseball's a little juiced. Whether it be the seams, I know we have Matt Cerrone talking about this a couple of weeks back. Whether it be the seams, a little bit different, harder to grip, balls just flying out. I mean, the balls at Citi Field this weekend, and it could maybe it's the environment, maybe it's the the wind. We've had, I mean, I live out on Long Island. It's been like the last twelve to eighteen months. It's been some of the windiest weather I remember, and I've lived out, lived out on Long Island for fifteen years that I ever remember. Maybe that's. The atmosphere has changed. We're in a a different weather pattern. I I don't know. I'm not going to get all into that stuff. But uh, the biggest difference, forget about all the other things around that we can't control. We can't control the ball. Neither can Syndergaard. He can't control the weather. The things that he can control, making the big pitch or finding a way out of big situations that runners on base, he used to be able to do that. He can't do that now. Or he hasn't been able to find it yet. Uh, And I don't know if that's pitch selection. I know that we've touched briefly on, is it Ramos? Throwing a Ramos, who, by the way, is starting to hit. So I wouldn't get his bat out of the lineup, not now. So they better learn to throw to Ramos. And if it was good enough for Scherzer and guys like Aaron Nola and Blake Snell and uh, Steven Strasburg, it'll be good enough for these guys. But you throw that out there, a new catcher, I don't know if that has something to do with it. But uh, it's really interesting that the the numbers align, that everything is there, the stuff is there, the historical rates are there for these guys to be who they were the last few years, who they were in the second half of last year in the case of Wheeler. Everything is there for them. And let's see them get off to a big start. Let's see DeGrom get the road trip off to a big start, out dueling Clayton Kershaw. And the Mets putting up uh, a couple of runs against uh, Kershaw and getting the uh, the road trip off to a, a good start. I think tomorrow's going to be key because you got DeGrom there. And he's got the he's the guy that you expect would be able to navigate such a tough environment like LA uh, the best out of all those starting pitchers so it will be a very interesting week we'll see what next week brings we'll see what the uh, the replacements can do here on the road trip although with Conforto back and, and hopefully McNeil not too far behind I don't think it's going to be the replacements uh, too much longer and you know what you may have uh, discovered that you have some real good veteran bench pieces that can help this team throughout uh, the rest of the season when things settle back to guys being in their proper roles after the, uh, the the walking wounded comes back. Hey, we're out of time. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Of course, I want to thank our friend Justin Toscano from The Record for joining us. I want to thank all of you for listening in. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you can check me out all the time at metsmorizedonline.com Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm yours, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Be well. Barbecue. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast next week. Take care, everybody.